0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of This Is Life Turned Up. I'm really excited today because I have my friend Jory Rose on, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a mindfulness and meditation, what should I call her, educator, expert, practitioner. She knows it all, does it all, and it's super cool, and I'm really happy to have her on this podcast because this is something that I talk about all the time mindfulness and the struggle that we all have with mindfulness. So, Jory, please introduce yourself. Thank you so much for being on
1: here. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be having this conversation with you this morning. And yeah, I think mindfulness really is the answer to everything. Um, I really do. And I actually, I kind of joke, and I say this with a lot of love if people are going through these challenges, but I say, you know, whether you're sitting in traffic or dealing with cancer, the tools are the same because it's Mm. all about how you respond to what's arising. And there's no different tools regardless of how big your challenge is. And so I, I really do believe that these tools have the power to get us through our lives in such a calmer, more present, less reactive to get us happier and healthier and less stressed and less anxious and greater ability to just sweat the small stuff or, you know, just not get so caught up in the minutiae of all the details that tend to
0: hold us up and prevent us from moving forward in our lives. Oh, amen. But that is the thing that most of us on the surface know, not most of us, a lot of us know. We know these things, right? Um, But there's such a disconnect of knowing and actually implementing, but not just implementing one time. Like, you know, I have- Making it a practice. Yes. Making it a practice. It is so difficult. And, you know, it's great that we're in the world we're in because having a coach and coaching people through this, you know, I don't specifically focus just on, you know, mindfulness- But it's part of what I do. And it's having somebody hold you accountable to be like, oh, did you do this? Did you take your five minutes today? Most of the time, they say, no, I didn't. (laughs) I did not at all. I want to. I didn't. So what would you say to like how people start practicing that?
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have so many answers to that. But I have to share a quick little funny story I think you're just going to appreciate is – so I've got two daughters, and I think every single time I say to my daughters, take a minute and just breathe, they just roll their eyes because, you know, <laughs> they're my kids and I'm their mom. And yeah. my, my younger daughter used to say to me, well, mom, I'm thinking about breathing And I used to just laugh because I would say, well, sweetie, you actually have to take the breath for it to calm your brain and calm your body. You can't just think about it. Yes. So I think you will appreciate this visual. I'm really big into visuals because it's just I see the the world in a visual way. So I like to use visuals to drive home the analogies and the points. So, you know, in order for these mindfulness tools and meditation tools to really impact and make long-term change. Because what we're doing is we're rewiring the brain, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for that to happen, we need what's called experience-dependent neuroplasticity. That's a Uh really fancy way of saying you actually have to do it for there to be change. You can't just think about it like my daughter was saying, I'm thinking about breathing. So this is the analogy I give. I clearly, I'm an adult. I know how to run. I hate running. Like whenever you see those bumper stickers that say 0.0, like that's totally me. I don't run. But I physically can run, right? So if I wanted to go run a marathon tomorrow, I couldn't do it. I would have to physically train my body to do what I technically already know how to do. But I would have to strengthen my abilities to do it for a sustained amount of time. This is the analogy I give for why using the breath is so important in sustaining a mindfulness practice because we're training ourselves to use something that we already know how to do because it's happening on its own. It's occurring naturally. But yet when we practice it, we can strengthen it so we can use it to our benefit. We can use it when we need it. And that's where the experience dependent comes in. The brain's only going to rewire, the, which is another fancy way of saying I can change my habits and patterns when I actually exercise that muscle of my brain and practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And when I, when I first got started teaching mindfulness, I was working at a school and I was, it was a private school that had pre-K all the way up through eighth grade. And I was teaching these kids for four years and every single week I'd go into the classrooms and we'd start off with a breathing practice. And it occurred to me that I was teaching them the how of mindfulness, but I wasn't helping them connect with the why. Like, mm. Why are we doing this? Why does this matter? And I went around to every single classroom and I asked these kids, if you've been breathing from the moment you're born... Until the moment you die, why should we practice this? And one little girl, she was in third grade, nine years old, literally brought me to tears because she said, I think we practice our breathing for the same reason we have a fire drill. She said, We have a fire drill so we know what to do in case of an emergency. And I imagine we practice our breathing so we know how to use it when we need it. Holy moly. I literally, Andy was in tears. I was like, this oh, little girl, she, she nailed it. This is why we practice yeah. because we n- need to establish a baseline, a foundation, an anchor to calm us down so we can have an ability to access that when we're not calm. If we don't have it, then, you know, in that height of the moment, our brain is on emotional flooding. We're on overload and our ability to access our tools has shut down. Right. So unless we practice and the breath is the anchor. The breath is the foundation. And I am one of those mindfulness and meditation teachers that is not going to adhere to more of the old school standards of how long you have to practice this for. Because when I first started, and I was being taught by all the top teachers in the country. I mean, I traveled across the country to workshops, to retreats, and I really wanted to sit with the top teachers. Mm -hmm. and. Everyone would say, you know, you've got to meditate. You've got to practice your breathing for 20 to 40 minutes a day. And I'm like, yep, I'm not doing that. I don't have that kind of time. And if I had 20 to 40 minutes a day, I guarantee it's not going to be spent on sitting and breathing. <laughs> totally. Yes. <laughs> that That's just where I'm honest with myself of what is actually going to work for me. And if I am wanting to adhere to a practice in which I right off the bat know it's not going to align with my time frame or any of that, then I'm not going to be successful at it. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm one of those teachers who's going to say, you know what? Start for 30 seconds. Start for one to two minutes. Do it throughout your day. And when you begin to establish a connection of, oh, wait a second. I took those few deep breaths and wow, I actually feel better. My brain has calmed down. My heart rate has slowed down. Now I don't feel like I want to raise my voice and yell at my kids or my coworker or my boss or my spouse because I'm not overwhelmed. Maybe I now can take that deep breath and clear my brain so I'm actually more focused to get the work done in front of me or to sit in that traffic and not be cursing the cars around me who cut me off and I took it all personally, right?
0: (laughs) Well, that that actually leads to a question when you talk about yelling at your kids. I obviously am a mother as well, and I know that there's a lot of parents who listen to this podcast So I do practice mindfulness and not as much admittedly as I should, but I do practice it. And then what happens is I, you know, I feel calm, I'm good. And then the minute my kids do something, I go my body back into that thing. And I like, I have to stop myself from yelling. Sometimes I yell. It's been a lot shorter in the amount that I yell. Um, But then what happens is afterwards I feel like shit. And then I like kind of this... You know, I pile it on top of this guilt. So, talk to me about this guilt that we feel oh. when we mess up. How much time do? We, how much time do we have? <laughs> so I could
1: talk for the next four hours. <laughs> Mindful parenting is one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about because it's the one in which I think we as parents have the greatest ability to impact the next generation. Oh, Honestly, God, I mean, I pressure. say that not lightheartedly. <laughs> I know, but. I, you know, as a therapist, I get a lot of phone calls from parents saying, "Hey, my kid is this, my kid is that." You know, anxious, stress, reactive, whatever. Can you help my kid? Mm. And I always, mm. and I always will say, "Well, I can, but let me work with you first. Right. <laughs> because it's my belief that we as parents, we are the ones that can shift the entire culture in the home. To give our kids these mindfulness tools by simply being it, right? We get to just be it, and that's how they learn. So that being said, it is all about role modeling the behaviors you want to see. So two things I want to share, two of my favorite little stories when it comes to mindful parenting. I was doing a mindful parenting class years ago. And very similar to what you just said, this mom said, I have a really great practice. I'm present. I'm calm. I can connect with my breath. I don't get really stressed. Up until the moment (laughs) the kids get in the car. Yes. (laughs) And she said, and then the bickering and then the fighting and then the constant questions and then the homework and then the after-school activities and then the carpooling and then the dinner and then the bath and then the bedtime and she goes, and my mindfulness practice goes out the window. And so what I, here's what I reminded her. I said, I'm going to make the assumption you became a parent by choice. And maybe 99.9% of us have made this choice on purpose, right? This intention to have children very well knowing it's loud and it's messy And it's chaotic. And yet we still chose to do this. Maybe we didn't get quite the whole picture, but we still did this.
0: But yes, to your point, yes. I agree. And in just a short couple
1: years, your house is going to be really quiet. And so when I hear parents have this frustration, I remind them to choose gratitude in that moment gratitude for the noise, gratitude for the noise that you intentionally brought into your life. Because one day when it's really, really quiet, you're going to wonder where the noise is. Mm -hmm. And the gratitude in that moment, you know, gratitude is a great tool for calming the brain down, just like the breath. It's going to slow down your reactivity to take that moment to pause. That's not to say I'm not hella frustrated right now and I want to react. Okay. So that's, you know, that's just the first step is, yeah, this is this noise, this chaos, it's temporary. And it's a great reminder when it feels like it's never going to end. That being said, I all, and I, and I was the same way. I was the youngest in my family growing up. And so I never felt like I had much of a voice. And then when I became a mom, I'm like, Ooh, I have a voice and people are going to have
0: to listen to me.
1: (laughs) And then I And then I realized it wasn't very effective because, you know, yet raising my voice only made me feel bad, like you said, and it didn't actually help them. So what I do in that moment is, is I start to feel that frustration arise in my body because we always feel it in our body, right? Because that's our brain's cue. There's a stress, there's a threat. I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. So you start to feel it in your body. Your heart rate increases. You feel that tightness, that tension, the blood start to boil, Right. So I will name that out loud to my child or children, if it's both, but to be able to observe what's arising, that's mindfulness, to be able to name it. As soon as you are able to observe and name it, it inherently slows down your reactivity to it, giving you a chance to respond and not react. So to be able to say in the moment, wow, you guys, right? So you know, this is observation without judgment, but kind of with a compassion wow, you guys, I'm getting so overwhelmed right now. I'm feeling like the inside of my body is just all tense. And side note, what you're doing as you're saying this is not only are you calming yourself down, you're inherently role modeling to them how they can do the same thing when they're overwhelmed. So to be able to say, wow, you guys, I'm getting so overwhelmed right now. I feel like my blood is just starting to boil. And I don't want to say something I don't mean. I don't want my voice to raise because I know that's not going to help the situation. It's going to make me feel bad. It's going to make you feel bad. So I'm going to take a second, and I'm just going to take a deep breath. And if you literally take that deep breath in front of them – right literally slow down and pause, it's going to shift everything. And now that one breath can say, okay, you guys, we need to change this. We need to fix what's going on. What's going on here, right? Then we have the ability to be more. Oh my more God. Present, I react.
0: love it. So how do we practice this though? Cause it's a practice. But I've. It's a
1: practice. So here I told you, I like visuals. Here is the visual. I want all of you parents to remember. Okay. If you're having an emergency, and I'm just going to say this, then I'll go back to answer how to practice it. But just this last visual, if you're having an emergency, let's say your house is on fire, okay? And you call 911 and you're screaming into the phone, oh my God, my house is on fire. Could you imagine if the 911 operator responded to you in the same level of intensity or louder in which you called? If that 911 operator started yelling at you, of, oh my God, I'm freaking out too, <laughs> yeah. right? You're you you would freak out even more. And so I want all you parents to remember your job is to mm-hmm. be the 911 operator. If you can stay calm in presence of a tantrum or a frustration or the loud, you know, bickering, the annoyance, the whatever it is, then you will inherently calm them down. So be the 911 operator. So how do you start to do this? Well, I actually started this practice in my car. So, qualification, <laughs> keep your eyes open because you are driving. This is not like a full-on meditation with your eyes closed. However, I started in my car because when I first started, remember I was told I had to do it for 20 to 40 minutes a day and I'm like, that's kind of crap. I don't have that time. But when I was in my car by myself, I recognized that could be looked at as an annoyance when I was either, you know, commuting or whatever, or I could look at it as a gift of time. It was all about yeah, my perspective. Love that. And when I saw it as a a gift of time, because I was alone and no one was talking to me and no one was asking anything of me, I turned down the radio and I got, you know, I put down the phone. I made sure not to make any calls and I just breathed and I intentionally breathed in and I breathed out. I became present in my surroundings. I actually noticed the... You know the color of the cars around me, the scenery of the hills or the trees or the sky, or just noticing the thoughts arising in my mind. I noticed the emotions I was feeling, and I just observed all of it. And I would just be in the car and just breathe. And I noticed when I would do that, I would get to wherever I was going, feeling more mm-hmm. calm, more present, versus how I normally would do it, where I would get to where I was going, and my mind was running a mile a minute for what I had to do the entire rest of the day. You know, I was thinking about what was going to ha- I was making for dinner when I got to my internship in the morning, and I was teaching kids right. to breathe. Like I wasn't being present. So starting in my car was a way that I could do it that didn't feel like I was taking time out of my schedule. And then I started to realize, wow, this actually feels really good. I can do this when I first wake up in the morning, and I just got done leading a 21-day meditation challenge on my social media of how to do a 30-second practice every single morning oh, that literally See, changed that my life. Is
0: that and I did that, and it has helped me so much. But first of all, I want to go back to something really quickly: observing without judgment. Yeah, is really difficult. Yes, that's the key.
1: Yes. It is. And it can get stronger with practice. So to observe what's arising is to simply say, oh, look, I noticed that thought. That's just not that. It's just a thought. It's not my reality. Oh, wow. Look at that. Look what my mind is thinking about again. Let me have some self-compassion for the fact that my mind is producing thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts a day. And because we have a negativity bias in our brain, the majority of those thoughts Mm -hmm. are going to be negative. So let me just have some compassion for recognition around, wow, look at all these thoughts coming up. Um, You know, observing our emotions, you know, we tend to very easily put things into categories as positive and negative, good and bad. And especially when it comes to emotions, we tend to resist the emotions we don't like and we tend to attach to the ones that we do. And I simply have the perspective that all emotions are natural they're all natural. They're not good or bad. They're just natural. So when we can have that observation and we, you know, are, it's all about awareness. Awareness is my most favorite word, because if we're not aware, We're on autopilot. If we're not aware, then we're not present. If we're not aware, we have no intention. If we're not aware, we're not paying attention to what our typical habits and patterns are. And then we wonder why am I so stuck? Why am I so unhappy? Why is my life not working for me? Why am I in this relationship? Why am I not effective in my parenting? Why can't I follow through on my discipline? Like, whatever it is, it's got to start with the awareness. And the awareness will only be effective when you can observe what's arising and not judge yourself for it. And so I like that whole idea of observation without evaluation. You're just noting, you're just naming. And in fact, it's it's more than just, oh, that sounds like a good idea. It literally helps our brain. So there's, in our emotional part of our brain, there's our amygdala, which is like our little alarm that fires off when we start to get triggered or overwhelmed. And studies show that when you can name what's arising, which is to say, oh, wow, I'm really overwhelmed right now. Oh, wow, look at that thought that by naming it actually Hmm. quiets the amygdala. So literally that observation, that naming it will slow down your activity to it. Like I said, even with your kids, wow, you guys, I'm getting really overwhelmed. Wow, you guys, it got really loud in here. Right So it's, it's really powerful to be in observation and awareness, and it inherently distances you from what's arising. It doesn't define you, it's just what's happening in the moment.: Ooh.
0: We literally like can. I said hours get coffee <laughs> because this stuff is so fascinating to me. So I have a question to go all the way back. What made you decide to become a therapist? The honest
1: answer was I've always known I wanted to be a therapist since I was young because I wanted a career that I could build around having kids. Like that's just the, you know, straight up, I I knew it was something I would be good at and I knew I wanted to be a mom and I needed something that could allow me to do both. That being said, I also was really afraid of being a therapist because to me, being a therapist looked a certain way. You know, kind of that traditional, the therapist is that blank slate where the client just talks and the the therapist just says, tell me more. How does that make you feel? And that always felt really, really awkward and unnatural to me. So it took me a long time to actually complete my hours and become a therapist because I didn't know how to do it in a way that was in alignment with who I was. And when I discovered mindfulness, actually mindfulness really just fell into my lap. It, You know, it found me and it's what I needed and I didn't even know I needed it. And I realized that I could be a mindfulness-based therapist, which gave me, and I didn't even know what that meant. It sounded really good. But what I—what how I defined that was I could be the therapist that is role modeling all these tools that I teach, holding really high integrity to the foundation of a mindfulness practice, while being able to be in a little bit of a teacher role. And so part of that is to role model that. So in my therapy sessions, it's not that typical, I'm just the one who's just sitting and listening. You know, it's conversation, it's me sharing about my life and my experiences because through those experiences, I'm teaching, yeah, here's where I get stuck. Here's how I've used these tools. Here's what it looks like to put this into practice. And so it develops, you know, I've developed really amazing deep connections with my clients because it's a journey we're on together. It's, you know, I've just been practicing this longer and, you know, I still get stuck. So when I still get stuck, I'm going to tell you, I can still get stuck here, you know, because I'm human also. And it is the most fulfilling, fulfilling work. I absolutely love what I do.
0: Yeah. And I can tell every time I talk to you and even just you talking, like you feel the joy. And this is something I, I need to bring you back on so we could do another episode about this because I have so many more questions. Yeah. And I would love there's that. so much more that we could learn from you. But in the meantime, before I get you back on, can you tell people how to find you and online and all of that? Yes.
1: So – Absolutely. Um, So best way to find me is type in my name, Jory Rose. Um, My website is joryrose.com. I know Andy will have those uh, links to be able to connect that. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. I post a lot on social media about all these tools. And um, you know, my entire branding is around this idea of journey forward. That no matter where you are on your journey, it's about Having some forward motion and taking that step forward. And so when you find me on social media, um, you'll see, especially on my website, I've even got meditations available for download. I've got some classes. You know, we touched on parenting. I have a class available for download that's an audio class, seven sessions, um, about 10 minutes per class. Oh, yes. One of them is on patient parenting. So for those of you who tuned into, um the, you know, really attracted to the parenting piece I was talking about, that class would really be of value to you. And I have another class called Redefining Yourself, which again, <laughs> I don't teach anything I haven't gone through. These are all the tools that I have gotten unstuck with and have continued to thrive as a result. So
0: joryrose.com. I love it. Yeah, I will put that all in the show notes. But again, thank you so much, Jory. This was awesome. I learned a lot and I'm going to start breathing and and I think that my takeaway is I'm actually going to start naming out loud with my kids the things that are happening and I will report back. Yes. You know, but all of you listeners out there, you don't have to be a parent to do this. This could be with your spouse, with your friends, I mean, it's a practice. So let's start practicing and let's start journeying forward, you guys. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So thank you so much, Jory. um, I love it. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye, guys. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye.